What's up? Welcome into the Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Ian Sork, joined by my co-host, James Tringali. We're now just over halfway done with the season as James takes the tinfoil off of his leftovers and is prepared to eat a salad that my mom made last night. There you go, kid. Get after it. Um, We're going to run through some of the NFL stuff. We have the Packers, who took an L. Your team took an L yesterday. Uh, talk about the MVP um, award, or I guess mid-season MVP award. Uh, but first, let's start with the headliner last night, mm-hmm. Pats, Ravens, and Lamar Jackson. Oh, I thought you meant Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Could have worked, too. Um, which is another thing where you talk about duos. We talked about how they are far and away the best tandem when it comes to guys that are in the booth right now. But I digress. Ravens, Pats, and our buddy is on, who is a diehard Patriots fan. She has a text. Easy. He's, he's, a big, he's a big Pats fan. Sent us, I mean, he did call they it. They all are. He did, yeah, it's fair, but he did call it. He said I mean, that, you were, like, pissed off at him. Sorry? A little bit. You're like, this guy. Acting like the Pats are gonna. Suck. Oh no! I was. I'm mad. I'm mad when he, <laughs> when he complains about the Pats and they're eight zero and they've won like every year and then the Super Bowl, four straight seasons. So yeah, I get upset because I'm a Bucks fan. So that's fair. It's yeah. a Bucks life. Correct. But Lamar, who last year was not very good, it was tough, and there were real questions whether or not he could make it in the league and. They turn it around. They built this whole offensive scheme around him and this power running offense, really. Um, they pick up Mark Ingram, and he's been great. They have the best rushing attack in the league. Uh, he's looked better throwing the ball. It's still not great, but it is better. And he is only 22, so that could be somewhere where he is going to possibly improve as he gets into his mid-20s. What's your takeaway from Lamar half, halfway through the season? I think the Lamar case study is just further solidifies my theory, opinion that it's all about right place, right time, right coach, right owner, right GM, right guy. Because last year he was not their guy yet. They thought he would, but he, you know, I know you agree with this. This isn't coming to you, but part of last year, he didn't, he wasn't the guy in training camp. He was splitting time where they were beginning to get to where they wanted to go. But this season, you've seen a team fully committed to putting their guy in the best spot. All right. And they're putting him in positions to thrive. So I think right now he is what he is. Super athletic. Doesn't make dumb decisions, which young quarterbacks usually do. Um, and he does have a strong arm. So, I mean, he they when he does have to throw and make the touch throws, usually guys are wide open because of the scheme. So, yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's not about Lamar. It's a team recognizing what Lamar could potentially be and putting everything around him that they possibly can. Um, which the four guys who went ahead of him, Baker, Darnold, Rosen, and Allen, 
Allen's probably the closest to that, I guess. But the other three are not in good situations after a year and a half, and, and he is. So, I mean, they have a, oh, their defense isn't as good as it was last year, but they have the running game and they have him. And that's They're the thing that I think is most impressive is because game. the Ravens – Defense was good for so long, and I still think that, like, even at the beginning of the season, it was always oh, got the defense. This defense is solid. It's not great. It's no, solid. They lost some. They lost Weddle. They lost the, yeah. Mosley. But they're they're definitely not bad. But the offensive side of the ball. And they don't have to be on the field as much. Yeah. The offensive side of the ball, to me, is the side that is doing the heavier lifting. This season, I think, personally. And that's where I think some of the MVP chanter gets in for Lamar. Um, I don't know if he's going to get to that spot, but it's been like good. That. I don't like that. Talking heads, throwing it out there. So, no, I mean, he's yeah. got the fifth best QBR. Yeah. Which fact, factors takes far more consideration of running the ball in situations than the traditional quarterback rating. So there's def- I just MVP. I got four QBs who are better than him right now, this season, halfway point, and a running back. So to me, he's not a contender. But that doesn't mean he can't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, agreed. And I don't know if he's going to be a 15 year guy, um, a guy who's going to be your, your cornerstone for a while. But until his athleticism goes away, or until that falls off, or in- Maybe he does develop his passing abilities. Well, that's the thing. Out, so. Whenever the athleticism fades, that's his clock right now. Yeah. Not saying he's done, but the clock is you have that much time to – I don't think he'll ever have to be the greatest pocket passer, but that's how much time he has to become a serviceable slash above average passer from the pocket, in my opinion. But I think it's a testament to a well-run organization with the right coach building around a guy. That's another thing, that's, too. That's I, my biggest takeaway from it. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a lot – I think there's a lot of casual fans who would just talk about how good Lamar is just to join the hype train, and they don't take that into consideration where you have a guy like Baker who's looked great at OU, looked amazing – Goes first overall, and now he's got Freddie Kitchens calling his place, and it's a disaster. So a lot of this does come down to where you go, who's your coach, and what situation you're in. Because look at same school, same college coach, one year apart, Kyler and him, Cardinals. I think universally people would be like, "That's a that that was a way shittier situation for him to go to Kyler year one Arizona than Baker year two Cleveland, right?" On paper, right? Yeah, paper. But Arizona Kingsbury was supposed to be USC's OC, and the jury's still out. Kingsbury's been a coach for eight games, but they brought in a guy. Kyler was their guy, so they went. And, they didn't have the coach already. They went and got the coach to compliment the guy. If you're going to spend a number one pick, you might as well do everything you can. Baltimore traded back up to get 32. Lamar was their guy. 
they already had the coach. They already had the GM, even though he was passing on to to his predecessor or successor. But they had the ownership. Cleveland has Baker and then nothing around him. Darnold, same thing. Rosen got tossed for a bag. Josh Allen, he's kind of an outlier in this this conversation. And the Baker thing, too, is I'm, I swear by it, and I'll say it right now, that if John Dorsey told Freddie Kitchens, if you want to keep your job, you're going to let Todd Munkin call the plays, and you're not going to touch the offense because it doesn't look good. They don't – there's no situational game planning. They're flying by the seat of their pants. Cleveland should have hired a – Old figurehead-like head coach and let Munkin call the plays and whoever's doing defense do defense. Kitchens, young, trying to prove himself. That was brutal. So, yeah, I mean, like, people are going to – Baker's going to get shit on. All these other four guys are going to get shit on. Lamar's not. He's in the right situation, but he's taking advantage of it. He's not making dumb mistakes. So – no, I mean, I mean, I'm impressed, but yeah, no. they, they put the right pieces around him. 100%. 100%. Um, New England, they didn't look too great early on. Um, if there wasn't a drop fumble, a fumble on the punt a return. Punt. Sorry, a muff punt, forgive me for my verbiage. verbiage then that game could have gotten real ugly real quick. And... Azam was right. He did say that they would not be able to stop the run. Um, part of that might be Bill Belichick not showing all of his cards, not going to show what he what he would do in the playoffs or a game in Foxborough. Um, they're eight and one. They have by far the easiest schedule up to this point. Up to this point in the league, uh, it, they have a couple. They play a couple a couple teams here to close out the season: Cowboys, Chiefs. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it gets harder. It does get harder. Do you still have them? I mean, does I, I'm guessing the answer is yes, but does the AFC, AFC still go through them? What, they got a one-game one lead? Yeah, which is wild. Buffalo 6-2. and two. I'm talking about overall. Yeah. Home too. field advantage. Yeah, I think so. Um. I mean, you you have to say yes, right? Just by default, you have to say it goes through New England until someone else is tied with them or above them. Um, because you have to imagine Baltimore is going to stumble here or there. I like them to go. I could see Baltimore being twelve and four. Chiefs are getting Mahomes back. They could be right around there as well. Texans have Bill O'Brien as their coach, so I don't see them catching catching two games up on the pass. So they'll have home field. They'll definitely have a they'll definitely have a first round bye, in my opinion. Although the Bills do have, I think we have that. I want to pull it up real quick here. The strength is scheduled in the second half. Bills at all the team out of the AFC contenders. Bills have the easiest schedule, then the Ravens, and the Pats find themselves pretty much tied with the Texans. Chiefs are in the middle there, so 
pretty much, you know, gamer here or there. So, yeah, I mean, not going to overreact. They, I think, Bill, to your point, I think we might talk a little bit too much about is he hide stuff? I'm sure there's some of that. But he also knows how important it is that they go through Foxborough. They didn't Absolutely. last year. But Mahomes' first time playoffs, Reed's kind of spazzy. I don't know how many times you want to roll the dice. For sure. I'm not saying so, he threw the game, but... No, no. I I know. I, I mean, yeah. again, you're not going to show all your cards because he knows he's going to be there in the postseason. But I also think... They want that for they they want home field advantage. Yeah, in my opinion. And Brady doesn't look. I, I feel like we said this last year too. And I mean, he, look, he's forty three. I mean, you talked about maybe this is the transition period where we can talk about how many guys you would actually take over Brady in this league because he doesn't look great. And eventually, this run is going to end. That someone's going to write that column or that piece, or it's going to be a take, and it's going to be right. And eventually, it's it's going to end. It's it's going to be done. Um, Brady, I mean, and to the point, and to this point that they didn't have their starting center, their starting left tackle last night, which doesn't doesn't help. And usually, Scarnesia can put together something and figure it out on the fly, but it didn't work. So you got to think that they'll get their pieces back at some point and be good there. Brady looks old, looks really old. And me and you started having a conversation about how many guys you would actually take. Before Brady. And you initially said 10, and I said, well, okay, you can do that maybe. But after five or six, you start picking hairs. And Definitely. It's it all gets, framing, it right? So yeah. I was thinking about it today when you said you wanted to hop on in our argument last night. If it's one game, all the – so across the board – all the variables are the same, right? I mean, that's, and it's so hard to do that, which in team sports, that's the problem is we can't strip Brady away from Pat's uniform, Belichick's the coach, Edelman Gronk, et cetera, et cetera. Right? It's very hard to do that. Yeah, it is. We can try. But that's that's what we're playing with. And then from there, it's framing, is it a, a season? If Or if you're, you know, the, the fun – Convo, like if you're starting a franchise, who do you take? Obviously, he's not top ten because he's about to be done. If it's one game, I I would go Brady, right? Because he's, I mean, he's probably won more big games than the rest of the quarterbacks combined, right? So if, if we're doing that, we probably already have our answer there. And then you go to for the for a season and for a playoff run, you probably have slightly different answers. But when I was going through it, to me, surefire who I'm going with for like a a season or a playoff run would be surefire Rogers, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson right now for me. Possible depend, you know, Breeze and Wentz. I think if you throw them in the New England situation, they do just as well, if not better. And then you move into the Stafford, Prescott. For me, I also threw Foles with those two. We haven't seen him this year, yeah. right? But he is, I mean, he's considerably younger than Brady and he beat him in the Super Bowl. He did. Um, and then the only other guys I think are even worthy of the convo, and I'm not saying I'll just leave it at that, would be Lamar, Garoppolo, Cousins, Carr, and Ryan. Just because those five guys do actually have higher QBR than Brady this season. So 
Um, so so that was it. So to me, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if someone said six or seven, but to me, I also see where he could be eleven or twelve. Yeah, no, and I think I was listening to Priscilla and Chris Long, and Chris Long made the statement. That this is when New England season really starts, and I feel like this gets said a lot. Is their season doesn't start until October, November. First week of November is when they really start rolling, especially when you're a team like them. And you have guys, I mean, look, Brady probably, his mindset changes a little bit when he shifts in in November, December, January, obviously. So they have Mohamed Sanu, which is big. Edelman, who's annoying, but he's good. The big thing about them, though, that they were able to um, – build off of last year and just be really good at is running the ball. And they haven't been as good at that this year. And that's, that's what they did in the playoffs. They did it well in the Super Bowl. They ran the ball really well and they don't do it nearly as well this year. So that's definitely something to know. But But that's the, I mean, I remember, I mean, Dak had like a perfect QBR rating after two weeks. Yeah. And then we see him in their loss to the Jets. He was missing both his tackles. I mean, that can't be overstated. Not having, your two starting tackles. Yeah. Like, that's two out of, of – that's two-fifths of a unit. And there's not that many just stud – there's not stud backup offensive linemen walking around. No. Right? So, that well, definitely is factored. That's why I'm not overreacting to the Ravens game, but I wasn't shocked by the result because if there has been a kryptonite for them, it has been Baltimore. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But that's that's why I made a – it just sounds crazy. Again, it's not disrespectful to Tom Brady. He's 43, 43 years old. 43 years yeah. old. Um, and QB is, I would say – I mean, you can probably say this about every position, but it's top-heavy, right? I mean, we mentioned Rodgers, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson. Those guys are unreal other than, than Rodgers this past week. Wentz can be brilliant, Breeze, and then you have a couple of these names. They can have some games, but then literally the bottom half, you are you're, you're dumpster diving. So he's almost there. No doubt. No doubt. And even, like you said, one game takes all, you're still probably rolling with him anyway. Right. So No, it's, it's all context, framing. Absolutely. They're Packers. Suffered a loss to the Chargers, which didn't feel like a good one. I mean, I mean, I think after thinking about it and taking it in, I mean, I'm not like talking like I'm a fan right now. You are like, a little it's bit. All right. I, they're also my pick to go to the Super Bowl, but that's neither here or there. Oh, it's here. Um, defense hasn't been great. We thought it was good after the first two weeks of the season. They couldn't stop the Chargers. They didn't. They couldn't get anything going on offense. They got n- no rhythm at all. Um, I think you said it best. It looked like they didn't even get off the plane. Plane, bus, whatever. They didn't get on. Whatever they were still in Green Bay. Planted. It was tough. <laughs> um, how you feeling? I guess. I mean, they're seven and two now, right? Six and two. Seven and two. Seven and two. Right. Six and two. Seven and two. Seven and two. Yeah, they were seven and one. How are you feeling right now as a Packers fan? I was in the weird 
I was in the the fantasy football favorite team limbo because I literally there was a seventy point swing in the four o'clock games with D with the Seahawks Bucks game. That's tough. In my favor. And the Packers Chargers game not in my dad's favor, which was also in my favor. So it was probably the least upset I've been during a Packers loss that I've actually watched from start to finish. Which also probably was coupled with the fact that you it was pretty evident within the first five minutes because they didn't get the ball. But after their first three offensive plays, if they didn't turn it around quickly, the Chargers for once had a really good game plan and weren't here to mess around. They had um, Melvin Ingram back um, to couple with, with Joey Bosa. We were talking about it before we hopped on. Roster-wise, and you look at it with perspective, losing to that team on the road in the NFL really isn't that bad of a loss. It was just, a, a, I guess, the indictment, and it can be losses can be good things, is the fact that they just didn't show up. Hey, like, yeah, you were 7-1, but this is also the NFL. You can't just walk up in there. Like, right. Like you're playing a bad high school football team and expect right. to roll them over. And right. the last time the Chargers were in a, well, actual prime time, but a game of the situ- game of the week situation, they got steamrolled on Sunday night by the freaking Steelers and a third-string quarterback. All right, so as far as losing to the Chargers – not that bad. The fact that it was far from their best game and they got a wake-up call it could actually be a blessing in disguise. But I think it, for me, what scares me, the defense couldn't do anything right and hasn't really for about a month. We did see a graphic that they pretty much had to play a team coming off a bye like three or four straight weeks. Yeah, that's true. So, again, perspective. But for me, on the offensive side of the ball – Offensive line couldn't do anything about Ingram and Bosa, but more concerning is Adams was back and Rodgers went back to what I didn't like the first couple weeks before he got hurt, which was force feeding Adams. Forcing, exactly. Going to the star way too often when the balance, you can still get Adam his, you call as you call and Rodgers would be in tune with this. You call plays where, you know, they're designed for Devontae Adams to get the ball. Okay, and when you scramble, it's anybody. But to me, the watching is unfortunately when you watch football, you don't get the whole view. But when they show replays of some of the sacks, I see guys on crossing routes underneath wide open. So to me, Aaron Rodgers is unreal. Why is it that when Devontae Adams is back, he now loses trust in the system and the other receivers? Yeah. Um, if that continues, they will not win a Super Bowl. I'll leave it at that. Nice, man. That was good. It's good stuff. Really brought it. It's I easy. still. It's easy when you care. It's fair. I could probably do a similar deal with my box, but we'll we'll save Let's that. Let's do it. No, do that so I can heat up some bread and dip it in this beautiful sauce. Talk about the bucks, bro. Go on a soliloquy, real quick. You deserve it. So. Where Talk do you begin? To, Talk to the pewter report. Where do you begin? Jameis, I, I do love it because the Bucs fans are crushing Jameis. 
go on Facebook and I see all the people that I'm connected with from back home. Jameis needs to go. Jameis needs to go. He's terrible. Yeah, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been the main issue. Um, they have the worst secondary in football. Um, they don't have a number one corner. They, they're, they're just – Russell Wilson ate them alive yesterday. Um their front seven, which is the strength of their defense yesterday, wasn't very good and gave up a lot of rushing yards to Carson. Um, so when they did that, the secondary really didn't have any chance at all. Um, J- Jameis, there's, I will say this about Jameis. There's good Jameis and there's bad Jameis. And he, it comes in ebbs and flows. And sometimes you don't know what version you're going to get of him. Um, yesterday was good Jameis for most of the game, except – He's still – I don't know if you can teach this or if you just have it, but just having a sense of where everybody is in the pocket and where you are. Uh, he tried to throw that ball yesterday and he lost it. Um, just lost, got knocked out of his hand, so that was a bad turnover. So still, still kind of t- uh, careless with the ball in the pocket. That's not great. Um, one thing about me is I – we watch red zone now. So typically we're not watching them on, on a play to play basis. Um, Yesterday you did though. Yeah, I did. And I just, the defense is the main problem to me. Um, their play calling at times is shaky. Byron left, which he'll have drives where he calls a beautiful set of plays. And then he'll, he'll have a, he'll have a set of downs where, you just wonder what was going on there. Um, and that's a problem. So inconsistent play calling match with poor defense and a bad secondary. And James mentioned this yesterday when you draft guys, especially in the secondary that aren't very good, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Vernon Hargraves, local kid. Uh, we, I mean, I've, I've been rude for him, but he struggles and, Maybe in a different system where he plays like in a nickel role and he doesn't have to man mark, you know, their number one guy, he's probably better because he is a good athlete. He does anticipate the ball relatively well, but I I feel like he's more of a nickel guy and that's where he's going to be. And that was the thing on him coming out of the draft. Um, So I don't think they have the right personnel on defense. I still like Todd Bowles. The front seven is – Outside of yesterday, has been pretty damn good all year long. Shaq Barrett, JPP's back. Devin White needs to get better. I haven't been too impressed with him um, based off of what I've seen. Again, though, I haven't done a deep dive on the film. They're 2-6 and six now, which is tough. I really thought they had a chance to win eight games, nine games maybe. Um, just because the NFC, if you go look at the standings, are it's kind of top-heavy. There's not – too many good – I mean, there's some solid teams in the middle of the road, but the Bucks division is kind of poor. Um, so kind of a disappointing effort on the season so far. I still think – I think they could bring Jameis back again on a friendly deal. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Another year with Arians and Leftwich, I really wouldn't hate it that much. Um, but they need to go out and get set guys in the secondary because you just – it's such an important position – in this league, in this in this game, and you got to have guys that can make plays um, in your secondary. Otherwise, with how, how much teams are passing, you're you're never gonna never gonna be good. So, 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. How was that? I love it. How so, do you? So how, let's, let's, how how do you attack that though in the off season? If we're in our bucks, I bucks, have I have two minutes. Do you go free agency or do you go draft? You're gonna have to do probably a combination of both. And I haven't looked up the free agents that are gonna free agents that are gonna be available. Um, but you're gonna have to go draft. You're gonna have to not miss on a draft pick. Um, you can't do that. Vita Vea has been pretty solid for them. He's he's pretty good. Um, I still think Devin White's going to be just fine. I'm not too worried about him. They were picking on him yesterday. Who, Devin White? They were. They, they put him in some uncomfortable situations, and he got beat. I, I still think he'll be pretty good. Um, I think – I think they have to go make it work. I, again, I don't know who's in the secondary coming, who's who's coming, you know, who's, who's going to be a free agent, who is – What about that LSU Delpit kid? Is he coming I up? would not – if you draft – I'm cool drafting LSU defensive players, like any position. <laughs> they, just have, they just have NFL dudes all over the place. So – yeah, I'll give you – we'll do like a more extensive recap on the Bucks season, and that could probably be a 20-minute soliloquy of me going off on my own. But um, let's take a quick break. We'll discuss the team that's 500 or below that's going to make a push and make a playoff run, and then we'll give you our MVP selections um, up to this point. Coming up next. What's up? Welcome back in. Um, we'll finish this off here with a couple things. Um, MVP stuff, but first, um, we're halfway through the season. We typically have a team in the back half that makes a push that either was counted out or was kind of in the middle of the pack there. And you have a handful of teams. Um, more so, more in the, in the AFC than the NFC, I think, that are legit. You know, you have teams like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, which probably can write them off, Jacksonville, Oakland, which might be the best out of the bunch, and then the Chargers, who got that win this past weekend, which was good for them. And in the NFC, Detroit, Tampa, probably can toss out Tampa, Chicago, probably can toss out them, and the Cards at 3-4-1. and one. And you can maybe pick one. I, I didn't think about picking one for each conference, but I'll let you have the floor with one team if you have one team in mind. You can <clears throat> do some I just I went – I didn't go – and I think some of them are under 500 or 500 anyway, but I just went teams that right now if the season ended wouldn't be in. So for the AFC, for me, teams that stuck out that could climb Raiders, Jags, Chargers – all for their own reason. I mean, Jags defense and getting Foles back. Minshew really hasn't been that great since he lit the world on fire for 48 hours. John Gruden's doing uh, – I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing this. it. And yeah. we already talked about the Chargers and how – I mean, in our opinions, in mine, from top to bottom, one of the best rosters. Their, their coaching is just what, what gets in the way. But – then you look at teams that would have to fall out. I don't see the Pats, Ravens, um, Pats or Ravens falling out. 
I don't see the Chiefs falling out. So that really leaves the Texans, Colts, Bills. Texans, Bill O'Brien, similar situation, could get in their way. Bills actually have the easiest schedule out of all the teams we just talked about heading back into the clubhouse. So I, I don't – because of their defense and the schedule, I don't see them falling, which really leaves the Colts, which is obvious because I haven't seen any of the reports, but Brissett is probably hurt for an extended period of time, um, which opens the, up the door up for Raiders, Jags, or Chargers. If I had to had to guess, probably Raiders or Chargers. And if I'm going off talent, I'm going Chargers. If I'm going off coaching, I'm going Raiders. Which is wild because – there was a lot of John Gruden hate coming into the season and a lot of skepticism about what they could actually do. And he got flack for the trade, trading Khalil Mack. Um, and that trade, looking back, isn't so bad, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's wild, though. I mean, that, I guess the one pick turned into Josh Jacobs, and then you just said that that pick is projected to be the – 13th pick in this upcoming draft, and you could probably find a pretty good player in that uh, in that area. You mentioned Henry Ruggs. That's not a bad bad pick if you're the Raiders. Um, the the pick they, from the Bears could end up being higher than their own. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's – yeah, salute to them. They're, they're much better. I mean, yeah, because look, thought. Khalil Mack is – Absurd. Yeah, he is. But they paid him all the bread, and they're not winning. So his talents are being wasted, and the Raiders aren't having to pay that. I don't even think his. I don't even think his stuff kicks in until he's coming here. I could be wrong. Regardless, but still, hundred percent. I was going to say the Raiders as well, just based off of coaching. Um, Chargers talent may may get them by. Do you have that schedule up? Because I don't know what their schedule looks like the rest of the way, but they, uh, they're they good. They just have a lot of guys on defense, man. And they st- I mean, they still have good weapons. Keenan Allen, he's good. I mean, they have guys on Jeremy offense. Jeremy James is coming back. That's scary. That's a great catch. We're oh, watching that was great for me. The Giants. Saquon from the half-yard line. I'll take that as long as it's not a field goal. Um, so, so, no. The Chargers on the way in. They actually are at Raiders um, on Thursday. So that's a big game for what we just talked about, playoff race. Then they get the Chiefs at home, at Broncos, at Jags. Home against the Vikings. They get the Raiders again, but at home, and then they finish at the Chiefs. So They could. No slouch. No, they – Because they're four and five, so they got to – They got to get it up. They, yeah. They could get in at nine and seven in the AFC, but – you're, you're definitely – the fact that they play the Raiders twice, in my opinion, if the Colts fall, it's going to come down to those two games. And in the NFC, I think it's got to be Arizona. Just the fact that they seem to be competitive in a lot of the games that they're in. Um, and if you look at the NFC, like there's just not too many teams under 500 that. So that's my thing. That's why I didn't go with under 500 because there's so many in the NFC yeah. that are above 500. Yeah. So I didn't even include them. But yeah, if, if you're going off of what you sent me, 500 or below, I agree. 
I, again, went with teams out of the playoffs right now if the season ended, which are Panthers, Rams, Eagles are all the other ones I thought were relevant or I just can't see them climbing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Giants are not on my list because, as we just saw, on a fourth and a half a yard line, they went with a halfback dive. As if everybody in the entire stadium didn't know that that was coming. Yeah, that was a tough play call. Good Lord. You didn't have a chance. Good Lord. Uh, So, yeah, Eagles, Panthers, Rams. Panthers have the easiest schedule, but the cam situation is looming. What that means for them. That's interesting. So... Those are the only three. I don't have a full-on opinion on it because the Rams and Eagles were both in the playoffs last year, and they both looked eh, very eh. So the NFC playoff picture could actually be the same as it is today, which is, if you look at the numbers, probably unlikely, but it's very possible. NFC's deep. Yeah. NFC's very deep. No doubt. Injuries could play a big part. But I think three teams are really setting themselves apart so far, which is actually one of the teams that you were high on early, the Niners, and then Packers and Saints, I think. To me, those are the three that stick out in the NFC. Sorry, Jim, I just needed a touchdown. So, um, yeah, no, 100%. I agree with you. The Niners thing is real, and we didn't do a thing on them, but maybe that's <clears> – <throat> thing I do next week because they play Seattle on Monday night so maybe that's the podcast on next Tuesday for you where we'll sit down we'll watch that game that could be a good one because it's going to be big and um, James doesn't I don't know if you think they're real now or if you don't but that's that's going to be a real test so um, going against Seattle so definitely mid-season MVP mid-season MVP um, there's a couple guys you could probably throw, but I'm just going to give you one. Did he miss? He missed. Yes, that's awesome. Sorry, I'm going against the kicker for the Giants um, in fantasy. For me, it's pretty – I I think it's Russell Wilson. I think their defense is not that great. Their offense is having to do a lot for their team. Uh, I think – from the stats that I saw, 22 touchdowns to one interception. And he's having a great year so far. <laughs> so that's a good season. His QB rating, I think, is like 118 right now. Um, and he's, he's been phenomenal. He's he's very good, doesn't turn the ball over, makes good decisions. He can still beat you with his legs when it matters. And I just, I don't know, he's he's really, really good. We've, we've given him a hard time just because he's kind of a dork. But uh, big dork, and that's never going to change. But, but he's got dude, bread. That dude, he's got bread, and that dude can play quarterback. So, yeah, I, I just have four: Watson, Rogers, McCaffrey, and Wilson. I think I, I don't really, I don't have an argument against Wilson. The numbers back it up. They're winning. He's never won it. Rogers. Before yesterday, I thought was was pretty much neck and neck with him, based on the fact that he doesn't have that many weapons and Devontae was out 
for the majority of it, and their defense also isn't that great. McCaffrey's putting up, I think he's one of seven guys with 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns at this stage of the season all time. Jim Brown did it twice, and McCaffrey's then four other guys, pretty damn good, including Marshall Falk. Brown and Falk won the MVP those seasons. So right now I think Wilson and McCaffrey are in a two-horse race. Um, and, you know, if you're a betting man, usually it goes to the QB. So, no, Russell's been unreal, man. We watched him. And it was also against the Bucks secondary, but still, they are professional football players. 22 touchdowns, one pick kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, that's pretty good. kind of silly. That'll do. That'll do. Yeah, no, so that's that's I think we all all we got up to this point. And NBA's also around the corner. I was gonna do like a, a daylight savings take, how how terrible it is. You probably did that last year. And how TBH. It's just the worst. You go back an hour, we don't need it anymore. It used to be for the farmers back in the day. It messes up your internal clock. There's actually a uptick in heart attacks around this time of year when it does happen. So there's not really a whole lot that that uh, suggested that. All I heard is that you're saying our society has gotten soft, too soft for daylight savings. That's a take. I like that. I don't think it. I mean, I think it's just unnecessary. It's definitely unnecessary. So, all right. Well, that's how we'll end the pod. And um, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We will do some NBA stuff too. There's there's some fun stuff going there, going on there. So look for that. Mike Scholl is uh, is available. He's going to be doing some NBA stuff for us. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Can't wait. Take care.